right. Well, Jim, thanks for joining the podcast today. You're in Raleigh, RTP, somewhere down there? Uh, I'm actually in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, you're on the other side of the state. How'd you work that out? All those other nerds are out there, uh, power nerds are out east. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I came up through um, Eaton Care, which is which is in Arden, North Carolina, near Asheville. So um, okay. I ended up kind of uh, remote, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, Asheville is, to be fair, relatively remote. Uh, you know, the funny thing is I lived in Charlotte for like two, two and a half years after college and never once made it to Asheville. It's one of my great shames of living that close by and never seeing Biltmore. There's a Range Rover driving school over there. Never did that. Never went and bought furniture. Never did any of the things you're supposed to do in Asheville. Yeah, so it's, it's always the places that are close by. I used to live in uh, Batavia. Uh, near Buffalo and Rochester in New York, and uh, we we never got up to Niagara Falls as as often as we should have. <laughs> well, at least you saw it though. That would be a crime to be yeah. that close and never never see it. Yeah, um, twice, twice in a decade. So I saw it once in Superman, and then was so inspired we had to go and see it uh, in in real life. But uh, nice, yeah, it's it's a big waterfall, right? Oh yeah. All right. So as astounding as this uh, study on vacations is going for this podcast, what uh, what do you do at Eaton? So set the tone there. Right. So right now I'm a global connectivity product manager. And so what, what that means is that I try to organize all of the activities around connecting our devices. Um, we're trying uh, to, to kind of move to a... Um, terminology of, of power management. So uh, turning a UPS or a PDU um, in, into a communicating device that you could then manage remotely. So we know that you guys have been doing that for some time, but I think maybe in the industry it's less widely known because mm -hmm. customers uh, or people in the industry, practitioners might think of a PDU as sort of a static power delivery unit or a backup battery unit as a backup battery unit that takes over right. in the event of, of power loss. Um, but you guys have had NICs that could be added to the UPSs and then NICs embedded on the, uh, on the PDUs for years now. So what, what's the latest there in terms of you know, customer awareness? So start there. Yeah, so, so we've had the capability to do it for a while, um, and it's it was kind of started off as basic communication, so uh, just reporting um, information over SNMP. But as may, maybe over the last decade, um, we've seen increasing increasing adoption using these connected technologies, and we've seen um, in, increasing needs for um, authorization and um, cybersecurity requirements for these devices. So we're turning these UPSs and PDUs, which kind of used to be relatively dumb uh, uh, devices in, into things that act and behave more your server like your switch. So how is that as a shift because the monitoring software packages or security packages are typically procured through some other function within the company mm -hmm. other than you know traditional infrastructure like your racks 
your your PDUs and your your batteries. What how does that work when as you get into these organizations? All right. So we, we take the stance of being uh, vendor agnostic. Uh, so if you you take you know there, there's more and more information that people are trying to use, uh, especially in PDUs. Um, there there's uh, current voltage information. Um, there's a ton of telemetry at the at the outlet level, and we take that and we integrate that up into SNMP um, or MQTT or some other monitoring protocols um, and, and anything, um, anything could monitor that. But when you, you start getting into um, the realm of, okay, how do I configure that, all right? SNMP v, v1 is not encrypted. That's not acceptable to a lot of our customers nowadays. So they move into SNMP v3. And you know how, how do I get logged in and make sure that I am who I said I am? Um, how do I configure SNMP? SNMP v3 so to utilize the encryptions and make sure it's uh, it's secure. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're running these on embedded devices. So there's a processor behind this thing. And, and in many cases, um, devices like this are, are really small Linux operating systems. So it, it just provides an opportunity uh, for an attacker to get their hands on this processor insert some malware into it, and now they've got a place to dwell within your system. So it's more important than ever that we, we protect that, um, that platform from attack uh, to provide the kind of advanced features that would integrate with a generic monitoring system, wh whether it's someone else's or what Eaton offers. So it's funny because I was at um, Veeam's customer conference last week and they put out a uh, their first ransomware study. It's a 2022 study that covered a thousand uh, organizations, I think. And they were talking about ransomware specifically and how that gets into the organization and then what it does once it's in there. Um, it seems like still the number one vector is people clicking on stuff they shouldn't in email, right? A link or a PDF or... Anna Kornikova's, you know, whatever, how, how this stuff started, you know, so long ago. Um, and that largely the ransomware that gets in that way is attacking the backups. So they're going straight for the throat. But it seems to me that, you know, as you talk about these other devices that are out there on, possibly on the network, um, that there could be a lot of legacy gear like that that would be easy to infiltrate uh, whether initiated through you know, a, a phishing attack or physically, I suppose, if someone has access to your your gear. But what do the vectors look like to you in terms of uh, what Eaton's trying to protect against? Right. So you mentioned social engineering, phishing attacks. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. That's still the number one way that people are getting into these systems. Um, and you know, the best way to protect from that is uh, is really education, um, trying to make sure that uh, your operators are, are doing the right thing. Uh, you know, good good security hygiene, as it were. But there are other ways for, for people to get in. And, um, you know, th there, are, there are inherent vulnerabilities in, in a number of, of, of authentication schemes. So, you know, it may be unclear how an attacker initially gets into a system. And I think that those attackers, they're, you know, they're trading secrets um, 
on the dark web. Uh, they've got all these backdoor tools and they, they don't want us to find out about those. So um, the, the one strategy is, is you get in and you find something within that system that, that you can infect and, and get that backdoor so that you don't have to expose you know, your golden cow that's providing you access into any system that you want. Hmm. So go back to then to, to Eaton's points of connection on mm -hmm. PDU's battery units, because that's not a typical place where people think about security, I don't think. Um, why, why are those good places or, or what's the scope of coverage if we start with those, those two things as concepts? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a reason why devices are, are being exponentially connected to one another in, in, the, in today's world. Uh, there, I mean, there's a, there's a real benefit and added value to uh, being able to communicate and, and automate a lot of our daily functions. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, just take it outside of, of the data center um, or, or the IT closet, you, you know, in your house, you're, you're connecting your doorbell, you've got Alexa. Your device um, is ready for setup. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you kicked and, off your uh, own. Yeah, that 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 was not uh, planned. So, and and you know, I, I read about a guy just uh, walking around doing his thing. All of a sudden, um, his his Google Ring started talking to him and said, "Hey, I'm I'm a white hat hacker, and uh, as a service, I'm hacking into people's rings uh, to to inform them that there's a vulnerability." So, um, I mean, a hor horrific story of, of, of parents waking up and, and some n not white hat hacker is, is talking to their kid through oh, the, yeah, baby, through the baby cam. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you're going to extend that to all the smart devices that are in a facility uh, within an organization. I mean, your um, your smart coffee machine might be the the, um, the 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 target for an attack and the vector in. So they're looking at um, all the devices and, and power devices are just kind of one of a class of devices that are being, getting increasing capabilities in communication and are you know, becoming increasingly more um, desirable to attack. So um, we're, we're kind of just one, we're just one tree in a forest. And you know, we did get a lot of attention recently um, where, where they, you know, they called out some specific vulnerabilities uh, within the power distribution industry and, you know, send out an advisement uh, to kind of like make sure you're securing your UPSs, make sure you're securing your PDUs, because it, just like you said, not a lot of people are thinking about these as devices uh, that could be utilized in, in a malicious act. So, you know, it's, it's funny. So let's start with PDUs. So basically a power strip, right? At a, sort of the fundamental level. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's all sorts of intelligence built in or can be built in to, to do much more than that, but just so that we set the level for anyone that doesn't really follow this industry so closely. Um, when did they start getting any sort of network connectivity? How long has that been around? Uh, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I just was having a conversation with two engineers at Eaton uh, when they, we were talking about introducing cloud capabilities uh, to our, our PDUs. Um, and and they, they were kind of laughing because they're like, Did, didn't we talk to each other about 20 years ago about doing this? So <laughs> uh, it, it's okay. not a new idea. 
Um, and, and I think we've, we've had basic connectivity um, really for the last two decades. Uh, it's just kind of a continuing evolution um, to say, hey, th these, uh, these customers want to do zero touch provisioning. So how do we add that in? How, how do we uh, create capabilities for you to con commission these devices over DHCP or how, you know, okay, we need to know what time it is. It's more and more important to know what time it is. So adding support for NTP service and just over time, we, we start to look more and more like some of these um, you know, enterprise level devices. Right. Okay. So it starts out probably over some sort of serial cable or something, you know, way back when to, to get these mm -hmm. things right. touching other infrastructure. Now we're at the point where there's a LAN port on the thing so we can plug in and, and connect it over the, uh, the wire. And, and to your point, we're asking or customers are asking for more manageability, more simplicity, more features. And so you're continuing to develop out the, the little computer that, that controls each one of these times however many or in a rack if you've got two in a rack for redundancy and then however many racks whatever there could be a lot of these just pdus in in a single data center and just like we experience here with different nas providers or um, connected storage devices that a lot of times the simplicity that goes into it ends up opening up security threat vectors not intentionally, of course, but you know, right. features will be enabled, UPnP. I mean, just things that would that make the usability easier and, and better for for the consumer market, especially. But in the enterprise now, if you have hackers that have availability to access your PDUs and can just trash power to your thing, I mean, that's I mean, that's not good, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. So I mean, there's two levels. Of threat, you know, one is, is that if I can get access and control that, controlling the power to your devices, so it's a form of denial of service attack. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there, there's another level where where I can just sit there quietly and, and watch uh, inside your system without having to worry about firewalls. And I can get, gain a lot of uh, intelligence. So, you know, one of one of the things that we we try to be, uh, you know, good stewards and try to educate. Make sure that we have secure products, but also educate people about cybersecurity. And, and one of the things that um, you know we, we talk about is making sure that you you only use encrypted algorithms by default. So make make sure that there's always an S at the end of that algorithm, uh, so that someone can't just sit there and, and sniff your network traffic if they happen to find that smart coffee machine and, and have some dwell time within your system. Yeah, I mean, geez, just. Thinking about the power, though, because we get so worried about protecting VMs and backing up data and file recovery and all these sorts of things that uh, you know that somebody like Veeam would be talking about. We spend very little time, I think, as an industry talking about the the blocking and tackling of just like the real basic stuff of how are we protecting the power? And I think most orgs would answer it and say. Well, I've got badge access or HID access into the data center, and you know, there's seven people that have access. And as long as one of them doesn't come in and go rogue and start turning stuff off, then we're covered. And what you're saying is that you very well may not be covered. Absolutely, there's a risk. So have have you seen this? Have customers or uh, like what do, what do we know about the threat to to PDUs and and to 
power systems generally? I, I think that luckily we I don't we don't know of any uh, in vivo attacks that have been successful. Um, you know where where they've actually targeted um, a power system and, and and threatened to turn it off or something like that. And um, but that's not to say that there are not active attempts at the moment to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and and so again. You know, that phishing attempt, uh, clicking on that suspicious link in an email, uh, th there are emails right now being sent out attempting to gain access to power devices. So it, it is happening, um, but I, I don't think there has something that has been catastrophic or made the news just yet. Um, we, we, we did a, um, a story um, with a company called Grandeur Housing, a success story with a company called Grandeur Housing in Canada. And, you know, they uh, unfortunately were, were the victim of uh, ransomware attacks um, several times. Mm. And they, they, were, um, they were able to recover from backup. Uh, and, and, and so, um, but they were worried that their attack, you know, it seemed like someone was targeting them pretty heavily and they were worried that the attacker would figure out how to get their backups. Um, so, you know, we worked with them to develop uh, a, a kind of a, um, a, a, an air gap for, for their data backups. And, and we utilized our UPS and PDU um, and our intelligent power management software and it's a solution to kind of to create this this air gap and and so we were able to essentially initiate the graceful shutdown of of uh, of veeam a virtual machine that was that was accomplishing this backup mm -hmm. um and then we were able to to kind of like turn off the power to these devices um and create that air gap so that while these these attackers were active in the system they weren't we they wouldn't be able to find that so it's um Kind of, kind of an interesting example where we were able to, as as a power provider, uh, really offer a good service um, from a cyber cybersecurity standpoint uh, into a more IT enterprise uh, level area, and um, and it really had to do with you know with us being able to turn things on and turn things off. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's and it's not some it's not a way that I've really thought about you guys before. So this is a, a fun conversation. I mean, very much we know you're your stuff, our lab is full of it, and we've got all the little toys here from, uh, from uh, DeCamp over in, in Raleigh that are, every time we post a social video, by the way, Kevin jams these little dinosaurs in our servers because he doesn't fill them up with uh, SSDs, so he puts a little dinosaur in there. And <laughs> like, the, the first six replies to our videos are always like, ah, dear, dino toy, those are so cool. But anyway, um, so we think Death about you guys from the, yeah. From the from the device standpoint, whether it's the PDUs or, or uh, battery units, um, but the connectivity that you're talking about that enables these other use cases to air gap your backup isn't something that that I've thought a lot about in terms of Eaton's perspective, and is actually the power messaging. So we hear the air gap one quite a bit, but the leverage power controls to get to the air gap backup that's kind of a new angle you know for me so that's 
that's pretty interesting. Um, do you have integration? I mean, I, I know IPM a little bit, but I'm not an expert. Do you have automation or scripting or something to help automate these and then also bring the stuff back up in the event of a, of a crisis? Yeah, ab absolutely. And the, 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 the real reason that, that IPM evolved in, into what it is today was the, the, the idea that um, I'm, I'm, I'm running a regular server and a standalone server and um, it, it's relatively easy for me to plug a USB cable into that server, connect to the, the UPS, the battery backup device, um, and then have, have some kind of a one-one relationship where once the UPS is low battery, the server can shut down gracefully. And you guys see that that's native functionality in a lot of operating systems. But when you start talking about virtual machines, it gets a lot more complicated. And if I, if I crash physical hardware that's running a virtual environment, there are a lot of things that can go wrong um, and a lot of opportunities for data to get corrupted. So we, we developed IPM software so that we could, based on, on power events, we could automate the graceful shutdown of a virtual environment, get the VMs gracefully shut down um, if needed, shut down the host, and, um, and then once we got power back and certain things were satisfied, uh, so it's all built on kind of a, a general automation system where we, we take events, we turn them into triggers, and then we act upon that. So um, let's say once, um, once you get power restored, you don't necessarily want to turn your server on right away. So we wait until the UPS battery charges up to maybe 50%. Then we also check the temperature because when power goes out, sometimes heat, the heat can, can get um, pretty high. Um, and, and then we go ahead, after all those uh, triggers are, are satisfied, we can restart that device, um, restart the server, and, and have all the virtual machines come back up in the order that you want them to come back up. Right, so that's more of a traditional failure where you, where you mm -hmm. set this logic, right, in a power failure. And then from the cybersecurity perspective for something like we ran our backup, our backup finished, and now we're going to power off these machines so that they're air-gapped and then bring them up again, you know, half an hour before the backup runs again. Something like that could be a, 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 a use case Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and so, so it, you know, it, it may have been a little over-engineered, but... Uh, you know, yeah, we were able to take, you know, the SNMP data from the Veeam uh, virtual machine and, and kind of integrate that and turn that into some custom triggers so that we could tell, um, you know, obviously their, their backup was scheduled. So we knew, mm -hmm. knew that part. But then once the backup was done, we could we could bring the whole system down and and really um, reduce the, the kind of the temporal attack surface area. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I mean, given the data I just shared with you, that that the backups were the first thing these guys are are the most common thing that they're attacking in a uh, in a ransomware attack. Um, so you're you're monitoring uh, or capable monitoring the PDUs, the uh, the battery units, the UPSs. Um, I do recall though too. If you went in our lab, you would notice we have no doors on any of our racks but uh, that you also have some access controls available. 
in IPM as well for door opens and, and I mean you've got environmentals and other things but you've got some other sensor capabilities for the physical bit too right right so we we natively have the capability to monitor uh, some dry contacts on our environmental monitoring probe so you you plug this in uh, you plug the probe into the network card uh, you get temperature and humidity for free there are there are two um, terminal blocks and you, you can mm. wire other things into those terminal blocks like a door sensor and it's just basically a switch when, when you, someone opens the door the switch opens and that change is detected uh, within uh, the IPM environment and then you can automate things um, I mean to the degree that you could completely shut down your entire environment if someone opened the wrong door say oh we, we've so okay. someone's not supposed to be opening that door and, um, yeah, some sort of emergency reaction, right? Right, right. And, and you know, uh, the level on top of that is, is that we offer uh, tan lock door locks um, so that we, we can actually kind of integrate with that, um, you know, authentication and authorization system and make sure that only the right people are allowed access to that door. Um, and then kind of interlock that with if, if someone that does not have access somehow forces the door open, that could also be detected. Interesting. Uh, probably more effective in labs that leave the doors on the racks, though. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? So that I mean, we're talking about kind of data center stuff, but uh, one of the big trends we're seeing is this proliferation of edge computing now with more and more analytics being done at the edge, more stuff being pushed into retail uh, from a uh, from just from a POS standpoint, but also surveillance and and self checkout and AI at the edge and all this other stuff. Um, understanding that you know, we haven't talked about this, and I don't know what your thoughts are on edge at all, but I'm curious though, what sort of dynamics you see there from a, from a threat level. Uh, certainly physical, maybe a little more risky, but just what changes for you at the edge? Yeah, it, you know, the, the, the edge, you know, ha has kind of evolved from ro what, what, I, what I heard was robo, remote office, back office, IT closets, and, and you're absolutely right. They're, they're just doing more and more. They're, there are more closets. They're doing mm -hmm. uh, things the, at the edge in these closets and um i know have uh, you know, the 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 term edge has been commoditized some people have a negative reaction to to that but it i think it's you know it's, it's a it's a good description of what's happening and um and it's creating more problems for it managers because they have it's more complexity they, they have there's more for them to manage uh so you know we deal a lot of, uh with um, school districts, banks, uh, retail, grocery, where, where they have hundreds or even thousands of locations. And, and typically there's like one person that's managing um, 500 locations. So you, you can't do that without some advanced um, communication capability. Uh, you know, I'm working with someone right now and, and, and somehow somehow in the in the commissioning phase their uh, all of their local ups settings were set to 90 percent threshold for shutdown which probably not a good idea right um, a little tight yeah a little tight yeah so 
uh, you know, with, with our capability to, um, our capability to communicate to the UPSs and uh, the network cards, REST API using uh, HTTPS, so a nice secure way for you to control these devices. Uh, we're able to kind of script uh, a way for us to take all 500 of those UPSs and, and set them back down to 20%. Hmm. Well, from an operational standpoint, that's useful, I would say, rather than having to send Absolutely. you know some some IT tech out to all those field locations, and some of which, I mean, too, as we're seeing the explosion in 5G, you know, all these little compute systems hung off telephone poles, not telephone poles, off of you know 5G com poles, whatever they are, wildly expensive to service each one of those with a human, right? Absolutely. And maybe yeah. not even possible, right? And that that's the other thing too is that as edge contorts itself, and I agree, it's it's somewhat misleading when you just bucket the whole thing. But like the rugged edge use cases, where it might be a helicopter ride or something to get to to these spots, but yet they can still set up um, little little five G or, or something so that they can still gain uh, or satcom or something they can still gain some some communication. Um, but they're very hard to get to physically. Absolutely, or or their security concerns. Uh, I know in some banks, you, you know, you can't just send a tech out. It's got to be uh, someone with the right uh, credentials, the right training, um, and and it's very hard to to get that person to the right place at the right time when when they're needed. Right. No, I saw Ocean's Eleven. It's very difficult to uh, to get into the highly secure areas. Right. Uh, can't be, can't be done. And then if it's done, that's why you need the uh, the sensor data to to tell you if someone's hacking or getting yeah. physically control of your stuff. I mean, luckily uh, there's only one George Clooney, so <laughs> you can't hack everybody, break into every single bank. I suspect he can't do it himself by uh, on his on his own. No, he would need a team of at least ten more people. Um, so it's interesting then as as Eaton continues to evolve, you continue to evolve. Uh, by adding more technology, and now it's going to be up to, I guess, software innovation to continue to expand your capabilities in these uh, network products. What what's the emphasis going forward for this little portion of the business? Yeah, there's there 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 are probably four emphases, if if okay. you will. I just created a new word. Yeah, uh, but. Um, one, one in it, which is monitoring and visibility, making sure as much data is available to the customers as possible, um, really from a ground up, uh, from that UPS device, PDU device, making sure that everything in there travels all the way up to, to the network card, up to a software application, out to the cloud. Um, then being able to control that and manage that so that like we described, being able to, uh, you know, if you, if you, for some reason, um, you, you have a number of problem sites with, with dirty power, um, you can on the fly change some voltage sensitivity settings hmm. uh, at the UPS level and, and ameliorate that problem without having to send out a tech to 300 different locations. And then, you know, something that we're really pushing toward is, is a predictive maintenance model and, and a life cycle management because um, you know, we talked about how hard it is 
to, to just commission, to install, to configure these devices, to protect them uh, from malicious attack or, or non-malicious attacks, you know, such as a, a, a mistake or, or, you know, somebody opening the wrong door. Um, but we haven't even talked about, okay, the, the logistics of changing batteries. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how do we, how do we um, revolutionize how we, we, we improve the uptime of these devices so we can predict when a battery might fail, we can get a battery out to you for replacement within a, a margin of error so that you can replace the battery without dropping the load. Um, so those are things that we're currently working on uh, in the realm of predictive maintenance and optimization. Um, and then general automation. So automation, it, we're, we're all asked to do more and, and there don't, don't seem to be a lot more people to do those things. <laughs> so, um, so we've got we've to get smarter and, and we've got to automate more. And so, um, you know, we've been, we've been pushing in the realm of uh, zero touch pr provisioning, um, being able to script actions. And, and the real benefit that, I mean, obviously there's operational benefit, um, but the, the, one of the real benefits is from a cybersecurity standpoint, less, mistake, less mistakes are made. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things we, we talked a little bit earlier about, okay, wh what are the big ways that, that attackers are gaining access? Um, and, and one of the big ways is that the, the application, the software has not been updated in over a year. So there are published vulnerabilities, um, almost like a guide or a handbook for an attacker to get onto your system and to bypass your security. Um, so, and so just link open. Like I, I, I created a um, desktop. I opened a port so I could get a remote desktop. Close that port. It's been open for a year and somebody finally figured um, that that's another way people get in. So automating these tasks not only saves us time and money, but it also helps us make less mistakes and help make our system more secure. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff you're talking about are kind of higher level IT challenges too, in terms of provisioning mm -hmm. other devices on the network. Do you guys want to, is it your your vision then to protect more than just your eaten gear on that's that's within an infrastructure. Well, so we want to make sure that for these features that that we are not we are not the weakest link in your chain of cybersecurity. Okay. We want so to be the strongest link. You don't want to introduce any new any new risk to to organizations, right? Right, okay. and, and, and I mean, there, there's definitely opportunities out there um, with our visual power management software. It's it's very advanced software. It can do a lot of things, um, you know, as a kind of a data data center infrastructure management level tool. Um, and so, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't introduce features such as. Uh, where, where we kind of look at network traffic, use machine learning, learning algorithms, detect malicious activities. Um, but, but I think that that space is, is really being filled by other niche players. And so, you know, kind of what we want to do is we want to accentuate, uh, actually 
not accentuate, but but to make visible um, the the cybersecurity strengths that we have, and okay. and to help to provide value to our customers by offering them ways to make their system more secure. Um, but you got to have the right tools, and and so um, we we're going to partner with other companies and to create alliances, technology alliances to kind of offer that added protection at a system level. Well, and ideally, bubble up your information into other software platforms that they're using to to visualize some of this already. Whether it's you know like VROPS and VMware, or like you said, there's probably a dozen or more point products that are real security focused mm -hmm. to be able to funnel some of your data into those to help provide that that fuller picture i would would think would provide a lot of value because if we know it admins especially those that are getting stretched out with uh, uh, expanding task lists monitoring a lot of systems can be challenging absolutely and so then it doesn't happen alarms. Right? Yeah, what do i do that too uh, so what do you have to do on the partnering? You, you just talked about it a little bit, but what do you have to do on the partnering front to help get more of the, the Eaton visibility or your visibility into to your components up and into some of these other systems, dashboards, whatever it is? Yeah, so um, we, we have a number of uh, integrations um, with, with other platforms. So we, you know, IPM has an integration um, with uh, vSphere, and we are we also work with uh, VxRail, um, so we, we integrate with VxRail and allow you to gracefully shut down a VxRail cluster, um, which I think at this point is uh, we're, we're the only um, power power management player that, that can do that. Um, a lot a lot of our other integrations are, are not as technical. Um, they're, okay. they're more marketing level um, where we, we talk about what we can do with um, Cisco or what we can do with HPE. Okay. Um, one of the things that strikes me as we talk through all of this is uh, the relative cost of, of like the adding the network card to a UPS. It's not, I don't want to quote pricing because I don't even know what it is, but it's not that expensive. And these capabilities that you're talking about are really quite robust in all of our reviews, like we just did a, a review of uh, the 5PX Gen 2. And so we get into a lot of this manageability stuff and, and you know, people that are in the trenches dealing with, with their UPS systems all the time will know this and understand it. But uh, I think as you go further up the organization, there's, there's a general lack of knowledge around what these capabilities are and the, the relative expense uh, associated with them. Um, so not all that expensive. Is the attach rate growing pretty rapidly on the uh, the network card for the at least on the UPS side? What does that look like? Absolutely, um, we we've we've seen uh, significant growth in the attachment rate for um, for uh, networked UPSs. So the um, PDUs are a little different because their their connectivity is embedded. You can't you can't necessarily easily pull it out. It, it ships with it, so mm -hmm. you you essentially have a 100% attach rate on on these communicating PDUs. But we're selling more communicating PDUs, and with UPSs, what we're seeing is is we're we're selling more bundles where okay. the network card is either in the box or it's already installed in that UPS, um, ready to go. 
Yeah, oddly enough, I think Kevin did a uh, social media video where he put one of the the cards into a UPS. It was like a 12-second install video, right, of take the clip off, throw it in there, one screw or whatever, and off we go. And yep. people went wild over that, I think, because there's still, I mean, I've said it twice now, I think, there's still just a lack of awareness that you can get this much visibility into your infrastructure with a little a little smart nick, basically. I mean, it's there's not a ton to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and with um, with our, our 5px G2 and the 9px lithium ion units, uh, those network cards are shipping inside the unit, so you don't even have to unscrew anything or slip yeah, even better. It's already ready to go, and that's kind of the trend for for all of our units as we as we refresh them. All right. Well, this is a cool conversation. I mean. Like I, I started, we think of a lot of people, I think, think about you guys as power delivery. I mean, obviously, Eaton's a, a massive corporation, but just in your world of it with the, the, the backup batteries and the PDUs and the racks, um, of which we have all of in our, our data center upstairs, um, the physical bits, but the intelligence behind it, I think, is going to be, to your point, the next, the next big differentiator in infrastructure is, okay... I mean, anyone can hold servers and anyone can run power to them, but what else can we do to make these things more valuable? So, you know, I give you guys a lot of credit for continuing to, to push down that road uh, and glad we can help, you know, bring some more awareness. Yeah, thank you for having me.